Well, we continue to make our way through the book of Exodus. Today I'll have you turn to Exodus chapter 11. Exodus chapter 11. We'll see what the Spirit of the Lord has for us today. Exodus chapter 11, and of course we'll start reading in verse 1. And verse 1 says, And the Lord said to Moses, I will bring yet one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out of here altogether. So we remember from our prior studies that this is exactly what God promised would happen from the very beginning, meaning from his earliest conversations with Moses. God is showing himself both strong and faithful on behalf of his people, the Israelites, the Hebrews, right? They would be set free. Pharaoh would not prevail against God. As we saw in chapter 10, Pharaoh was somewhat agreeable to letting some of the Israelites go, just not all of them, right? And Pharaoh was not interested in allowing them to leave with their livestock, if you remember when we left uh, off in chapter 10. But Moses knew that it was all or nothing. We talked about that when we looked at chapter 10 as well, that it was all or nothing. Moses knew that everything belonged to the Lord, everything that they had, and they had to bring it all. And he wasn't going to settle for Pharaoh's offer to say, well, we'll let just the men go, but that's it. Moses wasn't going to settle for that. And I likened that um, in our past studies to what it's like when a person is set free from the bondage of sin and death today. And they come to Jesus as their Redeemer. Of course, in the book of Exodus, we've seen Moses as a physical Redeemer of a people that were in the bondage of physical slavery. But as we've gone through this, I've likened it to Jesus, who is our ultimate Redeemer, right? And in it is at that time with our relationship, when we come to a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's a It's an all-or-nothing relationship, okay? Jesus does not call anyone to come to Him half-heartedly. Jesus calls people to forsake all and to follow after Him. This is the call of Jesus upon the souls of men and women today, okay? And since I have brought this up just in passing on many different occasions as we've been going through the book of Exodus. This morning I thought we'd take a look at what it means to come to Jesus with all that we have. Before we continue on, we'll come back to Exodus chapter um, 11 here. But again, here the Lord is telling Moses that all of them, he says, all together, all of you will come out of Egypt after this last plague. Okay, and we'll read about this last plague a little bit later, but it's important that we understand that our Lord God does not do anything only halfway or partially. With God, it's all or nothing at all. So let's mark this page now here in our Bibles, 
because I'm going to come back to it, like I said. But let's turn to the New Testament book of Luke. Luke chapter 14. New Testament book of Luke. So you'll find Matthew, Mark, and then Luke in the New Testament. Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. And um, let's look down and start reading in verse 25. So Luke 14, 25. Now it says, Now great multitudes went with him. Now pause right there because this first sentence here is crucial for us to understand the rest of the verses that we're going to read here. There were great multitudes of people following Jesus at this point in time. Like I said, it's important that we understand this. Now, to give you an analogy of what we're about to talk about here, from my personal experience, when I was in junior high a few years ago, right, (laughs) I played on the basketball team. And I remember one season in particular where I think it was around 40 to 50 kids that came out to the first practice to try out for the team. And this was what you would call a multitude of kids by comparison to how many of those kids would actually make the team. 40 to 50 of them coming out was a multitude. Now, the coach did something that I've obviously always remembered. When he saw that there was that many kids there trying out for the team, he told us to start running laps around the gym. And do not stop, he said, till I come out of my office. Well, he left his assistant coach on the court and He went into his office and he closed the door. And he was in his office for over an hour. Now, of course, we didn't know he was going to be that long. So we're all very gung-ho to make the team. So we're giving it all we can and we're running these laps around that gym. Well, little by little, people began to drop out, to stop running. Okay, And I I simply kept it in my head that... He said, don't stop till I come out of my office. So I slowed down quite a bit, but I didn't stop. But by the end of that hour, we were down to about 20 kids that were still left. All the others, when they stopped, the assistant coach told them to go home, right? But this is what I picture here. This is what came to my mind when I see what Jesus is about to do when he sees this great multitude of people following him right he's about to test them and to see just how committed they really are are they really committed to following him here are they serious about being on his team okay so starting in verse 25 again it says now great multitudes went with him and he turned and said to them If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and his mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So this is what it is to come to Jesus. All or nothing at all. 
we take up the cross. We bear the cross. We die to ourselves. We die to all the world around us. And we begin to live a life as a sold out disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, we have lived amongst the Christianity today that for many years now has concocted a portrait of Christianity that looks very different than what Jesus is portraying here. It's a come as you are, stay as you are kind of Christianity, right? Not a repentant kind of Christianity, not a a change, not a sacrificial, not a die to yourself Christianity. It's just a Christianity that's added to the life you already live. It's just something you have in your pocket or whatever, right? But the problem is, is that this type of Christianity does not really exist in the pages of the Bible. It does not exist in Scripture. It's not what is taught, okay? Now, if you twist the Scripture or you single out certain verses, you can indeed come up with that type of Christianity as people have, but it's not really the way a true disciple of Jesus looks according to the Word of God, right? Can Jesus get any plainer than what He says here? The one that is a true disciple of Jesus is not a person that has a a foot in the world and a belief in Jesus. A true disciple of Jesus is a person that is dead to the world and dead to everything and completely sold out for living for Him. And Jesus Christ, by His Spirit, is alive in that person. Let me just go ahead and read out the rest of chapter Uh, 14 here as Jesus explains more about what he is saying in verse 28. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it? Well let me pause briefly here and say that when a person is being led to Jesus Christ through the presentation of the gospel let's say this this person should be brought to the understanding of what the cost is of their choice. They are leaving all else behind to follow the Lord God. They are repenting of their sin. They are dying to themselves and coming to to Christ. So Jesus speaks of building a tower here and counting the cost to see if you have enough to finish. Like the kids that came out for the basketball team. Did they really want to be there all year? Was that truly the desire of their heart? Was that something within them? They were coming committed. I'm making this team. Whatever it takes, I'm doing this. Right? And that's what Jesus is saying here about the tower. Count the cost. Is this really what you're doing? And remember, he's turning and he's speaking to a multitude of people. Right? And today we live in a society where a multitude of people say they're Christians. But are they sold out? like this? Are they committed? Have they really count the cost of what it means to come to Christ? But Jesus continues in verse 29 and says, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. That makes me think of someone that is called a hypocrite because of the way they live and they're not really living it, right? saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able 
with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. You see, the walk with Christ is not a smooth and easy walk. Sometimes it's more than you can bear. Though God doesn't really give us more than we can bear, he provides a way to escape. He gets us through it, but, but it's hard. Sometimes you feel like you only have 10,000, but 20,000 are coming at you. You know, in other words, it can be overwhelming to you at certain times in life when certain situations and circumstances happen, right? Verse 32, or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good. But if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has an ear, let him hear. So it's not hard to miss the point here of what Jesus is saying. But turn back for a moment now to Luke chapter 10. We'll stay here in Luke and go back to chapter 10. And again, we'll go down to verse 25. Luke 10, 25. Speaking of Jesus, it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? Now pause right there, because... There's nothing real complicated about what Jesus is asking this lawyer here. He simply says, what's written down? You've read it. What do you make of it? For us today, the answer is the same. Do you want to know how to receive eternal life? Well, it's written down. Just pick up the Bible and read it. It's very plain, right? Just see what it says. Verse 27, so he answered and said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. So Jesus is saying here, yep, it's, it's this simple, right? All, right? All, not, not half or three quarters of your heart, Right? Love God, all of your soul, all of your strength, all of your mind. This is how we are to love God. And in addition to this, we are to show this same fervor of love to the people around us as well, your neighbor, right? That way they don't see us, our neighbors don't look at us and see us starting to, to build a tower and quitting halfway through. In other words, they see a people that really love God and that really actually live it out, right? They don't see us trying to make a team and, and, quit, and quitting before we were instructed to. The way to eternal life is wholehearted commitment to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, The word in the New Testament for the word disciple in the Greek is is the word mathetes. 
Okay? The word disciple is mathetes. And it's a word that simply speaks of a learner, someone that follows the teaching of another, right? But the, the, the root word of that Greek word, mathetes, is the word math. And it is a word that denotes a thought followed by an endeavor. So when we think about a disciple, we're not just thinking about someone that just sits and learns. We're, 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 we're talking about someone that's going to follow through on what they learned. And they're going to do it. They, they, a disciple receives what a teacher says, and then they perform on it. They do what the teacher says. So, of course, Jesus is our Lord, our Master, our only teacher. He is the head of the body of which you and I are a part of. He's the head, okay? And He has given us His Spirit within us, and His Spirit is the teacher today. His Spirit is the one that teaches us. I can sit here and say, well, I'll teach you guys the Bible, but it really would mean nothing if the Holy Spirit's not putting it within you. So it's really the Holy Spirit that is our teacher. And the Spirit within us produces fruit, right? In other words, the Holy Spirit within a person is evident through the way that person lives out their lives. Jesus says, a tree is known by its fruit. So the way a person lives out their lives is evident that they have the Spirit within them or they do not, okay? Because first, a person comes to Jesus Again, by taking up the cross, dying to themselves to follow after Him, and loving God, as we saw in Luke 10. Loving God more than anyone or anything else. That's their priority. Then that person, as a result of the Spirit of the Lord within them, then exemplifies a life of love, right? A life of joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit. The person with Christ in them lives in that manner. Right? So again, the true disciple of Jesus has left all, died to themselves, loves God above all else, follows through on the... they, They follow through on the teaching of their teacher, Jesus. And they actually live it out. They bear fruit that shows... They have repented. And then they have eternal life. Right? This is the simplicity of the Word of God as it relates to a person that is truly in Jesus Christ. Again, there's been a watered-down version of the Gospel today that we don't find in the Scriptures. There's been a watered-down version of Christianity that we don't find in the Scriptures where it's just Jesus is my homeboy. Right? He's just part of my life. You know, he's just my good buddy. You know, yeah, I have Jesus. But you don't live like it. You don't really, no one's really sold out to living for Jesus Christ. Right? I'm sure there are a lot of scriptures in addition to the few that I'm showing you here this morning. And I encourage you as disciples of, of Jesus to truly learn his teachings. Right? And what it means to, to truly be a follower of Jesus Christ and to know that you have eternal life. Right? There's nothing more important than the outcome of your eternity. Nothing's more important than that. 
But with that, let's go ahead and turn back to Exodus chapter 11. You see, God indeed will perform on exactly what He says He will do. He told Moses that all of Israel will be delivered, not just some of them. They're going to all come out all together, like it says in verse 1. No one will, no one will be left behind in Egypt. Moses has stood his ground. And if you've noticed, everything we've read about Moses, he did exactly what God told him to do every time he told him to do it. It was exactly what the Word of God told him to do. God himself said, the Lord God said, do this, and Moses did exactly what God instructed him to do. The plagues are not over yet. There will be one more. But the time is drawing very near for the Israelites to be delivered, to begin their journey to the promised land. And when it's almost time to leave, we all better be sure that we're ready to go. Because the time is drawing near for all of us. You know, I can't say that Christ is coming back today or next month or in the next 10 years, but we're all headed to the place where we're going to see him one way or the other, okay? So the journey to the promised land for us is close, right, where we're going. We're not home yet. We're still in this world, right? But if God is, for the person that again, is that true disciple of Jesus Christ, they're going to be led by the Spirit, right? And nothing will harm those that are true disciples of Jesus Christ. Those that are filled with and being led by His Spirit, right? We'll see here that 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 was the case for the Israelites as well. They were under the protection of God. Now, we do have tribulation in this world. Jesus said we would. We have hard times. There's all kinds of things that go on around us and hurricanes come and destroy lands and, and, and things, things take place in this world. But we can rest and hope and trust in God that we are eternally secure when we are following Jesus Christ. And in verse 2, the Lord God continues to instruct Moses here and He says, Speak now in the hearing of the people. And let every man ask from his neighbor and every woman from her neighbor articles of silver and articles of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. Now, as I read this, I have to ask myself, shouldn't this be the case today? In other words, shouldn't we be such a people of love, such a people of faith, gentleness, goodness, self-control, right, that we have favor with the world around us? Jesus is our Lord. And though we know that the religious leaders wanted Jesus dead and wanted to kill him, he had favor amongst the common people. The sinners sat with him. He sat with them. And they listened to him, right? Though scripture tells us that he was not an exceptionally good-looking man, for some reason the common folk were attracted to Jesus. They wanted to be around him. And I believe it was because of his kindness, his goodness, his love that he showed them. 
After all, that's why he came, right? To show the world the love of God. Christianity today should have favor in this world for the same reason that our teacher did, right? We're a people of kindness and goodness and gentleness, self-control, meekness, temperance, right? Love, we're a people of love. And we should be influencing the world around us with this love. Verse 4, then Moses said, Thus says the Lord, about midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt. And all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the female servant who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the animals. Then there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as was not like it before, nor shall be like it again. So Pharaoh has warning upon warning. He's had ample time to repent, right? It didn't need to come to this. And for the world today, there has been ample time to repent, to turn to the living God. Today, the Lord God is not bringing destruction upon people. He is instead extending love. All right? His word clearly depicts the way to eternal life. It's very plain. It's very simple. But some people ignore the gospel message time and time again because they love darkness rather than light. They love the world and they love the things in the world more than they love God. They don't want that you know, life that Jesus is calling them to to forsake all to die to themselves and follow after Him. Again, to love the Lord your God is to love Him with all that you have. But people would rather live like the prodigal son and stay in the muck and the mire of the world rather than to be as the prodigal son was and turn back to their heavenly Father. But as long as we still have time and as long as we still have this temporary life, there is still time to come to the Lord. People are never too far gone. They can come to Christ. Okay? But one cannot delay this because death may come to them before they come to Christ. And then it's too late. Pharaoh would not let go of himself being in control. That's what we've seen. No matter how much it hurt everyone else around him. Look how everyone in the land of Egypt, all the Egyptians were affected because of his choices. And because of the way he chose to live. But now it's going to affect him very personally. He will lose his firstborn child. As will every other Egyptian that has a child. And as a result, there will be a great cry throughout the land of Egypt. It's tragic that it comes to this, but some people waddle too long in the muck and the mire of this world. And they waddle too long in the muck and the mire of indecision, right? And in the end, their cry will be very great. And they will be eternally separated from the Lord God. 
And verse 7 says, But against none of the children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue against man or beast, that you may know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. So when we hear of the scriptures that speak of God's love for us, right, we must understand that there is a difference between those that truly belong to the Lord and those that do not. Those that are His, He knows. They are those that are sold out to Him, that are led by His Spirit and not led by their flesh. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God and cannot know God. The person led by the Spirit of God, however, walks in the ways of the Spirit of God, and there is a clear distinction that this is God's child, right? There is a there is a very clear difference between a child of the world, a child of the flesh, and a child of God who is a child of the Spirit, born again of the Spirit, right? And for the true child of God, we can say, if God is for us, who, is, who can be against us? Verse 8 says, And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, and all the people who follow you. After that, I will go out. Then he went out from Pharaoh in great anger. So we get a picture here, again, of this Redeemer Moses winning out in the end. The servants of Pharaoh will bow down to Moses, just as someday the servants of this world will bow down to the one true, and eternal deliverer, Jesus Christ. In the end, Jesus wins. Every knee will bow to Him, right? For now, again, we're in a world where there's still tribulation. And we know today that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. But spiritually speaking, we are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. We can be of good cheer. Why? Because our Redeemer has overcome this world. Okay? We simply press on as the Israelites had to do until their deliverer came on the scene. Moses, right? Our deliverer is coming. And before him, like I said, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. People must hear the gospel today. They must hear the truth of the Word of God. Not a watered-down version of it, but the truth of it as it exists exactly in the pages of the Bible. This is why I take you to the Bible. This is why I have you read it, that you see it, and it's why time and time again you've heard me say, don't just listen to what I say. Go and see it if it's there for yourself. If it is, then we must live it. I must live it. Right? We all must, right? But unfortunately, when the gospel is preached, not every heart will take heed. Some hearts will just refuse to soften and turn to the living God. And verse 9 says, But the, the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not heed you, so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. So Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh. And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children of Israel go out of his land. And we've talked about this subject 
in weeks past how God received the glory as a result of the hardness of Pharaoh's heart. God wants his people, right? Those that are his. He wants them to know that he is mighty and that he works mightily on their behalf. We've studied that in weeks past. This world opposes God even till this day. Though he is evident all around them, they still love darkness rather than light. Right? But I was one of those people. Right? I was one of those people. And there's, there's opportunity for people to come to Christ. Right? And our loving God is still reaching out to people today. By His Spirit, through the power of the Gospel. Our work as disciples of Jesus is to still be fishers of men. To preach the one and only message that can save the souls of of men and women, but we can't stray from the truth of it. We can't water it down because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Okay? Some will repent and, and they will forsake all to follow him, and some will not. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, right? They are mighty, right? We can through prayer and through supplication, impact the lives of the lost people around us that we know. But in the process, we must not forget the truth of the Word of God and the power of the Word of God. Because eternity is in the balance, right? The Word of God does remain and always will remain, right? So don't, heart, don't half-heartedly serve the Lord today. As we go forth into a new week, you know, be, con- be convicted within to, to not half-heartedly serve the Lord, right? Because if you do, you will be like that person that started to build the tower and did not finish. That person that showed up for the practice the first day to, to make the team, but didn't have the stamina to finish the day, right? Being a disciple of Jesus is all of your life or it's nothing at all and that's what we find in the pages of scripture that's what the word of god exhorts us to from genesis to revelation we see it that it's first of all it's all about jesus but it's all about us dying to ourselves and coming to jesus and allowing his spirit to rule and to reign within us let's pray oh lord god again thank you that you have not left us comfortless. God, you have not left us alone here. You've given us your word. Your word is truth. Your word is powerful, Lord. God, thank you for your spirit who indwells us, that teaches us. Lord, you are who you are, Lord, and and nothing changes about that, Lord. It's, It's us. It's we who get distracted, Lord by this world, you know, by the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, these different things that come and take our eyes off of the truth and and off of your will for our lives, God. I just pray that for all of us here and for those that will listen to this teaching, Lord, via the internet, Lord, I, I pray that we all will just seek you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that we will love you, Lord, above all else. That we will not be 
hypocrites, Lord, that we would be truly followers of Jesus, followers of yours, Lord, led by your Spirit, that the fruit of your Spirit would rule and reign in our lives. God, use us to as salt and light, Lord. Lord, and this happens as we yield our lives to you on a daily basis. We take up the cross daily. We follow after you. Every morning our flesh gets up and wants to rule the day, Lord. But we must die to ourselves daily and serve you and seek you with all that we have. God, thank you for this short time here in your word. But Lord, thank you that with every breath we take, every step we take on this earth, you're with us always. You'll never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for this time in your word. In Jesus' name, amen.